We'll turn to James chapter 1 and we'll, I've got a text for you. James 1 verse 22. It's interesting, Richard mentioned this verse in the prayer meeting before we came here. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I want to talk to you this morning about the responsibility we have in listening to the word of God. It's a great privilege, isn't it? To listen to the word of God and to listen to the word of God being preached and to be under the teaching of the word of God at any time is a blessing. And it's a greater blessing to be under the teaching of men who love the Saviour as they preach about and the word they preach. It's a great blessing to be uh, sitting under the, the teaching of experienced expositors of the word. That's a great privilege. And every year, 52 weeks of preaching the word of God and sitting under it. I've had to work this out for myself because when you're a pastor, you have very little opportunity to listen to the word of God. You're preaching it. But now I've retired, I've had to work this out very, very carefully. Um, so you hear preaching for 52 weeks of the year. You're sitting under it. And much will depend on how we use the teaching we hear. I've got four major headings. Number one, the distinction between hearing and doing in the relation to the word of God. Now, to be a hearer of the word is a great thing. And it's obviously important. And great blessing is, att is attached to the hearing of the word of God. You know the verse? So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. God says that real living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, comes through the hearing of the word. And God has attached many great and precious promises to the hearing of the word. So hearing is a great privilege. But hearing, no matter how good it is, no matter how many promises of God undergird it, no, no matter how much we enjoy it, that's not enough. Hearing the word of God is not enough. Hearing the word does not make you a Christian. Hearing the word in itself does not attach us to a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There has to be more. And James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers as well. And there's a distinction, isn't there, between hearing and doing. And those two things God has tied together. And we must never separate them. If, if you and I want to know God's blessing, we must never separate those. So there's an important distinction that we need to make between hearing the word and doing it. Now, without the first, 
the hearing. The second is impossible, isn't it? And yet, the first does not automatically guarantee the second. And without hearing the word, without knowing there's a real personal God um, who's revealed himself in the word, without knowing that God has come, without knowing that God has presenced himself amongst us in his son and has died for sinners like you and me, without hearing that message, no man can be saved. But even with hearing that message, that doesn't guarantee salvation. And what I'm talking about is this really, it's the difference between theory and practice. And it's possible to have the theory of salvation and not to ha- and to have that the doctrinal knowledge about God, about Christ, about sin, and about our own needs. It's possible to have the theory of it all and never have it in practice. It's possible to know about Christ and yet not know him. And the thing that really matters in relation to us and God, to you and God, is are you practicing God's word? Are you practicing God's word? And the question I'm asking you and myself is not, are you professing conversion? I trust you are. And it's not, have you decided for Christ? I hope you have. I hope you daily decide to deny yourself, to take up the cross and to follow the Lord. What I'm really asking each of us this morning is, are you practicing God's word? And is all the past year's teaching just reaching your mind and your head and leaving your life and heart the way it was before? God grant that it isn't like that for you. It can be, can't it? Profession never saved anyone. It's possession that saves. If that's the case, then God's word says that instead of being a blessing, the word would be a curse. And hearing the word of God is either a savor of life unto life or a savor of death unto death. So there's a distinction. Are you a hearer of the word only? Or are you a hearer who puts the gospel into practice? So that's the first point. The second point is this. James is describing a development. And he's talking about this being progress from being a hearer to becoming a doer. And the progress is this, it's to have the word not only in the mind, but in the heart. And it's when that happens. Um, James is is really saying to us, it's only when that happens when it goes down into the heart, that it, that it becomes a moving, motivating power 
in our lives. And that's what we want, don't we? We want the word to become a moving, motivating power. That's what the word is meant to do. That's what all this teaching is meant to do for us. So what is all this teaching meant to do for us? Basically two things. The Westminster Confession of Faith gives us the answer. What do the scriptures principally teach? What is its function? Function A, the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God. Because what you believe will obviously determine what you do. Let me give you an example of doctrine being absolutely crucial. I read Psalm 1 because in that psalm it talks about the judgment, isn't it? Um, it shall not stand in the judgment, judgment. Judgment is mentioned. Well, if God is going to judge us in the future, surely it's, it's vital that we, we grasp these doctrines. Doctrine is important. The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God. And so, so the word of God is absolutely crucial to us. Function B, what does God require of man? Function B is what duty God requires of man. So function A, question four is what is God? Answer, God is spirit, infinite, eternal and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness and truth. And so what God has revealed himself in the word, everything that is revealed about himself in the word, we're expected to believe. To, to, to believe implicitly and entirely. So can you see the importance of doctrine? As I said in Psalm 1, verse 5, it, it says this, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. So notice judgment. If we truly believe that God is, is going to be our judge on judgment day and reveal every secret thought, action and word, then that's going to affect, it's going to shape the way we live. So, obeying God is more important than anything else. So, what we are to believe about God comes from the Bible. Function B, the second function of the word of God is to teach us what duty God requires of man. Answer, the duty which God requires of man is obedience to his revealed will. So, the duty that God requires of man can be summed up in one word, obedience. And sin is disobedience, isn't it? The opposite of holy is disobedience. So, what's a holy person? What's the height of Christian living? It's obedience to God. Why was Jesus a holy man? Well, he tells us, doesn't he? I do always the things which please him. So holiness, it's not a feeling, a buzzing in the head, or a, or a warmth in the heart. Sometimes those things can be there as well. But, but holiness 
is obeying everything you know about God's will concerning your life. And if there's disobedience in your life, then that is sin. Remember what Micah 6 verse 8 says? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Let me put it another way. What is godliness? It's to be like God. It's to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to have the same attitudes that he had. Remember on the cross, he, he said, Father, forgive them. We must live lives of forgiveness. It's to love what he loves. Godliness is to love what he loves. It's to hate what he hates. And where appropriate for the creature to do what he does. So to be godly is to be like God, like the Lord Jesus Christ. To be ungodly is to be not like him. So, so there's a development you're to get the word down from your head to your heart and then you are to, to obey it. And then it's to shape what you think and what you think is to dictate what you do. And it's interesting that the word do is important. The original meaning describes what a man does as his whole time occupation. It's his whole time occupation. Is what he devotes his time, his talent, and life to doing. That's the word. To be a doer of the word, it's that whole time occupation to be obeying the word. And, and you and I should be devoting the best of our time, our talent, and our life to obeying the word of God. So there's a distinction James makes. There's a development that, jo that James desires. Hearing the word to becoming a doer. Every time you hear the word preached, ask him to give you understanding and obedience to it as well. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding and obedience of the word. The third heading is the, the danger that James points out. Deceiving ourselves. He's, he, he's, he's saying, isn't he? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, now to rest content with hearing the word only is to deceive yourself, isn't it? And you know, deception is a terrible thing, especially of oneself. I can deceive you easily and you can deceive people easily. We can make people think we are something we are not. We can make people think we are converted. We can make people think we are real Christians and we're not. And sadly, that deception can be carried on for years. Deceiving our friends and family and that's very sad, isn't it? But it's far worse to deceive yourself and to think that your hearing is all you need for salvation to think that that you've done enough when you made a decision in the past 
or that you had your emotions moved sometime or other, that, that you decided to do better. It's a great danger, isn't it, to be hearers and not doers. And sadly, I'm afraid that there are some people who, who go to church today who are hearers of the word only. And they've never become doers. And if you're a hearer of the word only, it's, it's a religion that is destitute of reality, isn't it? Why? Because it's destitute of, dest, destitute of heart obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And imagine that day, that moment after death, for the person throughout his life who had deceived himself about his standing before God. Think of that. So there's a distinction, a development, a deception, and fourthly, there's a duty that is implicit. And James illustrates the, uh, the truth he wishes to present us with James 1, 23 to 24. And the illustration is this. Mane is, is someone glancing in the mirror as he passes by and then forgetting what he looks like when he goes out. That's what somebody is like who listens to the word of God and whose mind is convinced it's the truth of God and that Jesus is the saviour and your heart is even convinced that you should be doing something about it and trusting him and then you come out and other things intervene and you forget what you've been seeing in the mirror of God's word. Remember, it reminds us of the parable of the sower. And you, as a hearer, are one of these soils, aren't you? The farmer is the Lord himself, and all who faithfully preach his word. The seed is the word of God, and that consists of the gospel and of all the revealed truth of God's word. The soil is the human heart, isn't it? It's in Mark, I'm thinking of here, isn't it? Um, and there are kinds of soil mentioned. There's a hard ground hearer, hard-hearted hearers. Are you one of those? I pray, God, that you're not. There's a stony ground hearer. He's a superficial hearer. When persecution comes... Forget it. Then there's the thorny ground hearer. Money and riches come and replace the word and it's gone. But praise God, there's a, a fourth hearer, the good ground hearer who bears fruit. Now, are you one of those? At the end of this year now, are you better than what you were at the start of it? I'm... Uh, I'm ashamed to say that I've been a Christian from the, from the age I was 17 and I'm 80. And I should be a better Christian now than when I was converted. That, you know, it's just, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? If I've been a hearer, of, more than a hearer of the word and a doer, all those years that I've been a Christian from the time I was 17 until now, then then surely 
The fruit must be seen. And the good ground here bears fruit. What is that fruit? Christ-like character. Are you displaying Christ-like character? I've been listening to how well, how well George going through that list in Galatians 5, 20, 22, isn't it? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Are you exhibiting Christ-like character? To bear fruit means that. The second thing, bearing fruit, is praising the Lord in worship. Listen to Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We as Christians should be the most thankful people. To be a sour Christian is a disaster. In this epidemic, that should be a difference between us and people in the world. We are thankful people, aren't we? As I said, through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. His grace has brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. So, the fruits are these, Christ-like character, some of the fruits. Praising the Lord in worship. Good works. Listen Listen to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and and that, that we should walk in them. So the good ground here, and you're one of those. Each of us is one of those today. You're either... um, a hard-hearted hearer, you're either a superficial hearer or um, the the thorny ground hearer where money and riches are more important than than the gospel or you are the the word of God um, finds good soil and um, you're a hearer that bears fruit. God grant that each of us might be hearers that bear good fruit. And man be in this illustration, he stares intently into the mirror of God's word. And, And he sees there what he will never forget. Let me just finish with this. The Bible tells us to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. To read the word. Revelation 1, 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Do you read the word? (coughs) I wonder, 
Search your heart now. Do you read the word? You know, the Lord has given us everything we need. He's given us a mind, right? He's given us a textbook, which is the Bible. He's given us a teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. And he's given us the church. We have everything we need to be not just hearers of the word, but doers only. And so, it's a soundbite day, isn't it, we live in? Do you just read the word as if you're cleaning your teeth every day and you think, well, I've done my, done my duty? It's much more than that, isn't it? Um, the, the Murray McChain daily readings are tremendous, aren't they? I don't use them. The reason why I don't use them is they're too much for me. I much prefer, I'm just telling you my personal, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to do that, <laughs> but my personal opinion is I read small portions of the Word of God. And this is what I want to stress to you that will do you most good. Do you believe that the man standing in this pulpit Sunday by Sunday has been called by God to preach the Word of God? It's the, word, it's the now word to you? Of course you do, isn't it? Preachers, preachers, what, what, what am I going to preach on? That's why it's difficult to come one, just one Sunday. But preachers, um, they, they pray, they think of the congregation, and then they think this book is what we need to go through. And so they expound the word every week. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's interject, you interject by having a direct word from God that is special. And you can use that. So you, you don't continue in the exposition. But perhaps one Sunday you do that. And then we're not liturgical Christians, are we? But we do follow the liturgy in the sense that, that we, we follow Christmas and we follow Easter. And so a man preaches about the incarnation at Christmas and then he preaches about the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ um, at, at, at Easter. So the point I want to make to you is how do I think about the word of God every week? My primary way of doing it is I take up what the preacher has said. Have you thought of that really? You've got a sermon on Sunday morning, sermon on Sunday evening, you've got a Bible study on Monday, you may have other Bibles that you have. Now, now, if you think about that seriously and take it up and work it through in your life, because if you believe that, that the man standing in the pulpit is, is called of God to this church at this particular time to preach to you, and you should, then, then what he says is, is important in the sense of that you should, should back it up by thinking about it seriously. You do other reading as well, of course. But, um, but generally speaking, I try to concentrate on the, the preaching that I've heard the previous Sunday, where I worship. Now the man's going through Ephesians. And there's enough there to keep you going, isn't there? <laughs> so, so think of that. Read the word and study the word. Oh, by the way, uh, there's a little poem here. 
There's a man in San Davri years ago who were to, he was talking to people who, who were not educated and he wanted them to remember what they should do. Listen to what he says about this. A poem about personal Bible reading. At a chosen time each day, read your Bible while you may. He said poems make people remember. You see? At a chosen time each day, read your Bible while you may. Do not start until you pray. Ask, what does this passage say? Look for him who is the way. Find a lesson for today. Pray once more and go your way. It's worth, worth remembering that, isn't it? Perhaps I'll give it to somebody. Um, so, at a chosen time each day, it's your choice. Some people are better in the morning and the evening. Some people, first thing, last thing, whatever it is. At a chosen time each day, read your Bible while you may. Do not start until you pray. Ask, what does this passage say? Look for him who is the way. Find a lesson for today. Pray once more and go your way. So study the word. So hear the word, read the word, study the word. Remember the Bereans? Those, these were more far-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all their, the word with all readings and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were true. You know, a sermon that isn't discussed, generally speaking, is lost. Have you thought of that? A sermon not discussed is often lost. So, so, so talk about the sermon over Sunday lunch, wherever it is. Study the word. So hear the word, read the word, study the word, memorize the word. Psalm 19 verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might n not sin against you. My children go to the Christian, have been to the Christian school. I have three daughters. They went to the Christian school. It was the best thing. It was a, we could do it. I had to travel from Merthyr to Machen every day and back, and four times sometimes, isn't it? My three daughters went to that school. And you know the best thing they, they did in that school? Every half term, is there anybody here who goes to that school? There might be. Every half term, they learn a whole passage of scripture. Now think of that. Think of that been seeping into my daughter's hearts. And they could, they could recite to you Genesis 1, Philippians 2, uh, some of the Psalms, and um, I could go on. So during the time that they were in school, every half term, they were taught, they were taught to memorize a chapter, not just a verse. Memorize the word. It's important. I can't, I'm hopeless at remembering words now. I used to be better when I was younger. But memorize the word. And this, this is the other thing. Meditate on the word. Psalm 1 again. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And then apply the word as I've been speaking about. And finally, the preach word is the word of God, Right? 
And it's leading us to the God of the word. It has to do that, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's just an academic exercise. The preached word is the word of God leading us to the God of the word. To hear him, to believe him, to know him, to follow him, obey him, to serve him, and to prepare to be with him. So it therefore deserves all our ransomed powers. God give us the grace so to do that. And I'll finish with, um, later on in the chapter, James talks about the tongue. And you know about that, don't you? About the chapter, he talks about the use of the tongue. And um, I was listening to, to a man on television, Archie Kendall, actually. And James 1.26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And he suggests, and I picked this up, and I remember it very well, he uses an acrostic, right? Concerning the tongue. And it's this, need, N-E-E-D. Now, when, you, when, you, when you're going to speak to somebody, think of this. The acrostic is need, N. Do I need to say it? an important thought, isn't it? When I'm going to say something to somebody, do I need to say it? Second is E. Will what I say edify the person? The other E is, will what I say emancipate the person? Set him free. And finally, D. Will what I say dignify the person. So there's that acrostic, need, N, do I need to say it? E, will what I say edify the person? E, will what I say emancipate the person? And D, will what I say dignify the person? So James has exhorted us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. God grant that, that each of us might be given the grace to search the scriptures and to grow in the knowledge of God and in our faith for his glory. Amen.